Amen and good morning to you. What a blessing it is to be here with you at Fellowship Primitive Baptist Church once again. You know the song we just sang, it would be powerful no matter who wrote it because of the truth that is contained in the verses. But to me it's even more powerful because of who wrote it. If you know the life of Fanny Crosby and the afflictions and the trials that she had, <laughs> and then that she could, could write such words by faith. Lo, a spring of joy I see, she writes, but she was blind. <laughs> she ate that living bread that satisfies the hungry every time. May we all learn that great truth and live upon it. I would ask you to turn to the Old Testament this morning, and we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning at the beginning. We're going to uh, top load it at the front, but I hope that you love scripture to be read in the house of God. I hope that you don't lose focus when that's done, because we want the Word of God to speak, and it's in the Word of God that we find that which our souls needs so much. And uh, I want you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 16. This is the story of when God's people hungered in the wilderness. And God fed them in a miraculous way with both quail in the evening. And then when they woke up in the morning, they found the what is it. That's what they called it, the manna. They called it the what is it on, on the ground. And, and God fed them and provided for them, which we've sung about so much this morning. And so the title of the message this morning is A Table in the Wilderness. A Table in the Wilderness. And the first thing I want us to do is just to read this story and to think about it and to meditate upon it. And especially if you just want to highlight in verse 14... Uh, about halfway through that verse, it says, Upon the face of the wilderness. And that's why we're uh, titling the message, A Table in the Wilderness. And that's kind of where, where it comes from. You know, because, Sister Leslie, most times you and I would not eat things on the ground, correct? Unless there was the five-second rule, right? We could blow it off. But here, what God had given them was such a holy and precious thing that they just went and they picked it up off the ground, off the table. Even in the wilderness, God made a table for His people. Even though that they were unbelieving, <laughs> even though that they grumbled and complained and tempted Him, who's glad tonight we, have, we serve a good and merciful God? Amen? Yes. And we find a table that He has prepared for us. We sang this morning, Come and Dine. The Master calleth. Remember at whose table that you sit at uh, today. And before we begin, I just want to encourage all the families here to sit at the dinner table together. It's kind of become a lost thing in this modern world, but you can learn a lot of things at the dinner table. Isn't that right, Brother Marvin? Especially at the Pitney dinner table. When all seven of us were still at home, and we could all gather around it. 
You had to learn good manners at the dinner table. Can I get an amen from my sibling? You had to learn to appreciate what was on the table and be thankful for it. Before you could even be dismissed from the table, you had to ask permission. Uh, May I be dismissed from this table? And of course, all the food on your plate had to be had to be gone and that means when your when the food came around you were very careful about how much you took or didn't take uh, you had to make sure you told the cook how wonderful it was even if it wasn't wonderful you would tell most times it was wonderful and uh, learn how to be thankful and just a lot of things can be learned uh, at the table my sister Rebecca she even learned that if you take your uh, um, broccoli in your hand and flush it down the toilet in the hall that when you get back to the table it will reappear <laughs> uh, back on your plate uh, to her dismay she she learned that uh, uh, the hard way great great family story there but I just want to encourage y'all just as family that's just a practical thing gather your loved ones around the table it's a great time to teach and, and to train your children it's some of the most precious times in the Pitney home in Mississippi. Sunday, almost every Sunday except when we have lunch at church. My precious wife, she gets up really early or stays up late the night before. Cooks a great meal. And I have my two daughters and my new daughter, uh, Gigi and Drew, always come over. And we talk about um, the blessings that we had at church. We talk about what's going on uh, in our lives, encouraging, laughing. Loving, what a wonderful thing to experience in, in life. And I just want to encourage you uh, to that. So let's look for a little while and see if we can learn from God's table in the wilderness. Are you ready to read this story, story with me? Please uh, put yourself uh, by faith. Let's go back in time. Let's make this, uh, his story our story. Think about if you were here. If you were one of these families that were have been set free from Egypt. You crossed through the Red Sea on, on dry ground. You had just drank from the sweet waters that God had changed from bitter to sweet at Mara. You had sat in the shade at uh, the oasis at, at Elam under the palm trees. And, and now you're marching toward the promised land. Put yourself in the story. And they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. So they're a month out of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Listen to them, beloved, and we're just like them so many times. Aren't you glad God doesn't always give you what you ask for in the, in the heat of the moment, right? Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth unto this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. You know, Moses and Aaron, we had to say, oh, well, y'all figured out, y'all figured out our plan. We put our lives on the line and we risk ourselves. Yeah, that was, we're Jim Jones of our day, right? We've, we've brought you all out here to kill you. No. And, uh, you know, Moses and Aaron, they were like, well, no, we're not leading you. 
we didn't bring you out. We're just, you know, God's servants. We're just God's messengers. Your difficulty, your problems, and whatever they are in your lives, wherever you're at, whatever's on your table, whatever table that you're at, that's according to the providence of God and the decisions that you've made before Him in your life. But you know, here's where I'm so glad that people like me aren't God. Because I would have just, right then and there, I'd say, you know what, I'm sick of these whiners. There's some things that I don't like. I don't like a crybaby. <laughs> I don't like a quitter. And I don't like a whiner. So it'd be, it'd be really hard uh, to deal with people that were so stubborn and, and stiff-necked. But isn't it amazing the mercy of God? Here, they're, they're so um, babyish. They're so childish. Just a little bit of hardship. And, you know, they're ready to just forsake their freedom, to give up the glorious future. You know, that's what happens sometimes when we get into trials. We forget our future. We forget the glorious things that God has promised, what, what we're marching for and what we're marching toward. Oh, beloved, never lose sight of your future. But they did. And, you know, there was even one time God did get so angry with them that he told Moses, y'all remember this? He said, I'm going to destroy them all. And I'm going to raise up a new nation from you. Hallelujah for Moses' heart at that moment as an intercessor. He said, Lord, please don't do that. You know, show them grace and show them mercy and, and uh, fulfill the promises that you made. And, and God heard that intercession. And so... You know, there's probably been times in all of our lives we've been just like this. And I'm glad to know that there were people praying for me. (laughs) And that God heard those prayers. And even Christ himself, as you said, he intercedes daily for us. And God was here. Then said the Lord to Moses, Behold, not I will rain fire from heaven. (laughs) Right? Which is probably what Brother Nathan would have done. I'm like the sons of thunder, right? Shall we rain fire down on these people? And the people shall go up and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them or test them whether they will walk in my law or no. Beloved, remember, all of life is a test. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day, then then they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even, then ye shall know that the Lord, not us, hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, For that the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Making that pretty clear, aren't they? And Moses spake unto Aaron, saying to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. That must have been a sight to behold, right? A sight to behold. Isn't it amazing? You know, all my life, I'm 51 now. I've never known a moment of hunger. Never a day of hunger. 
but I have feasted on God's blessings my whole life, not only naturally, but spiritually uh, as well. I give Him glory and praise, and I want to live a life of thanksgiving and gratitude and usefulness to Him for that. This is amazing what happens here. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. Now we're talking about feeding two million people here. Right? And we know the story in the Gospels about the disciples when the crowds had gotten so large in the wilderness. <laughs> they said, Lord, how are we going to feed this great amount of people because we've seen how much money that we have and, you know, it's not near enough. And Jesus just finds a little boy that brought his lunch. Somebody that was prepared, right? What do you have? What do you have? The first uh, varsity <laughs> worker, right? What do you have? What do you have? And God and Jesus takes that boy's lunch and he feeds the 5,000. They say it's the best meal that they've ever had. And when it was all over, there were still 12 baskets full, right? But here... That was about 5,000. Here we're talking about 2 million people in a wilderness. No little boy's lunch. But if you, even if you study this area of the Sinai Peninsula, it is amazing even in nature that it is the flight pattern of quail. It's in their migration pattern. And so God blew those quail or wherever with His power right to where these 2 million people were and then they fell out, right? Uh, there weren't any nets there. You know, they just fell down right where the children of Israel were. I don't know if you've experienced that in your life. Sometimes God providing for you like that. But I haven't. And it's an amazing thing. Just out of nowhere appears the blessings of God. And so uh, we read about this. This is amazing. He said, uh, it came to pass... That at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay around the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, upon the table in the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. Children, you ever looked outside when it first gets real cold? And it hasn't snowed, but it looks like that it snowed, it looks like everything's covered in crystal, right? That's like, that's what a hoarfrost is. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wished not what it was. And that's what manna means. It means, what is it? What is it? And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. But they're going to learn some things at the table, aren't they? You can't just treat this bread or deal with this bread just any way. And before I go any further, the deepest lesson here for all of us is that this manna is a direct representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where did Jesus come from? He came from heaven. You can't even know who He is. You'll say, who is He? What is He? Unless it's revealed to you by God is exactly what it is. And He is your manna. He is that that God has provided for everything that your soul needs in this life and in the life to come. And you must gather Him 
individually uh, yourself. And you can have as much of them uh, as you want. So, they're going to learn some things. This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating. An omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. You see, that's so important because I can't give you Jesus. And these preachers here, they can, they can present the glorious truths about Jesus Christ, but it must take the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And then in your heart, you must embrace Him for your own. You must gather Him as your manna into your soul and to your life. Do you see that this morning? And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. I want to be with the ones that have gathered more. Amen. Verse 18. And when they did, they did meet it with an omer. He that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. Amazing. They gathered every man according to his eating. And there's the commandment. Here's what they had to learn. And Moses said, let no man leave it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they didn't learn. They hearkened not unto Moses. But some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. He was angry. And they gathered it every morning, every man, according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, that would uh, be Friday, right? They gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. They were surprised that it was exactly the way God said. And he said unto them, that is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord the Saturday. Bake that which you will bake today, and see that, see that which you will seethe, and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up to the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day which is the Sabbath, if in it there shall be none. So this is amazing, right? When you just think about this. Like some of the miracles. Some of the miracles just happened one time and then it was over. There was only one parting of the Red Sea. Now, later on, they, he parted the Jordan too, but it wasn't the same. There are a lot of miracles that only happened once. But I want you to think about this miracle and the miracle of it in your life too. For 40 years, Every Monday, or every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday. And then on Friday, there was twice as much, so they didn't have to do anything on Saturday. And then on Saturday, there was nothing. For 40 years, did they eat of the manna in the wilderness? Now, raise your hand if you're 40 years or older. Let me, let me get an age check in here. Right? It's no less of a miracle in our lives, is it, that every morning... We have found our daily bread that God has provided for us. Now, we had to go out and gather it just like they did, right? And be careful with it and use it wisely. Um, but it, it is amazing to me, this miracle. It's, it's one of the greatest miracles in the Bible because of the continuation of it 
for so long. And there were other things too. You know, it said that their garments didn't wear out and their shoes uh, as well. I like to shop at that store <laughs> for, my, for my kids. We're constantly running out of groceries, clothes, and shoes. <laughs> oh my, what, what an amazing thing, right? And then like how that uh, God said it's going to be this day and then not on this day. Oh, the power of God. So where did we leave off? 27, it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, and here's one of the greatest questions in this chapter, and it's going to be the greatest question in your life and in mine. It really is, and you need to challenge yourself, and God's challenging you at His table with this question. How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? That word there is the Torah, Brother Brady, Brother Marvin, that's the Torah, which we know is God's law, uh, which even the first five books are often called uh, the Torah. But what God was giving Torah for, just like He gave the law in the Garden of Eden, was for the, so that the people might learn how to obtain the blessings of God. The Torah wasn't, you can't do this and you can't do that. No, it was, Paul even said, the law of God is good. Grace, living in grace and upon grace, does not mean lawlessness. No. But he said, how long are you going to refuse to follow the, this gracious instruction that will lead you to all of the blessings that I have for you? That's the purpose of the Torah and of the law. What a great question. See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, Therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. Now look at what it was like. And, and it's like Christ. And it was like coriander seed, white. Does that speak of the Lord Jesus Christ? Was, was, he, was he not lily white? Beloved in His spirit and in His flesh. No fault in Him. Oh yes, He was white, it says. And then it says uh, also that the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. It was sweet. Is there, I ask you, is there anything sweeter than the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the sweetest of all, is He not? Just like the manna. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commandeth. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And you remember, you'll remember a little bit further in the story when they make the Ark of the Covenant. Three things go in the Ark of the Covenant, right? Can y'all get them with me? One was, right, the pot of manna. Very good. <laughs> good class. Anybody remember the other one? Aaron's rod that budded. And then the third was another table. Another table that God gave them in the wilderness, right? The tables, two tables of stone. What were the two commandments written on? Tables, right? The tables where the real bread of God, that spiritual bread, 
was engraved forever. Once, once I, God engraved them, and then the other time Moses engraved them, but it was the same words. So this would be in there, and uh, amazing. So it says that the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is the tenth part of an ephah. Amazing story, amen? That could be enough for us to feast on and even go home. But I want us to dig down. I want us to, to wring this out and get uh, things for our lives that we so much need in our day. Because what is really at stake here is this, this question that the devil always tries to get us to doubt, and it's can God provide for me in my life? If I follow God, if I trust God, if I live for God, is God going to provide for me when I'm old and gray and I can't provide for myself anymore? Answer, yes. Can He provide for me somebody to love, to spend my life with, If I keep myself for that person, if I trust the Lord, if I try to marry in the Lord and wait and find that person that He would pick for me, will God provide for that? Check. What about food? What about clothing? Everything that we need. Check, check. Yes, God will provide. And that's what this is about. Even something as simple as bread. And how long do you need it? God said, I can provide it as long as... As you need it. But lest we think that God is cruel. Maybe in our minds we might say, Well God, why didn't you just give them the bread before they started to grumble and mumble? And then they would have never grumbled and mumbled against you. Wrong! Wrong! Oh, heart that is desperately wicked above all things and who can know it? Because even after they, they had manna for a while, they said, we're sick of this manna. We want something else besides this manna. So that's, you can't put that on God, right? They needed to be tested. You and I need to be tested. You know, because if we can't be faithful and thankful for manna, how can He trust us with a land that flows with what? milk and honey right so God is at work here and remember that your Lord Jesus Christ was also tested tempted in the table in the wilderness amen remember after his baptism are y'all all with me you're thinking about his life now his life immediately after his baptism he's led by the spirit into thee and there he is tempted and tested for 40 Days, much like 40 years. And the devil comes to him when he has suffered much. When he has done without much. And the first thing that the devil tries to test him and tempt him on is with bread. Do y'all remember that? Oh, how powerful, right? He said, if you're hungry, Jesus, here's these stones here. Just turn these stones into bread. You know, I've never thought about it before until this very moment. But that's what all the world is trying to do out there. For the thing that they really need from God, they're trying to turn the stones of this world into bread. 
But Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And he passed the test that we often fail, right? Aren't you glad we have his righteousness and that that's applied uh, to us? But Jesus was, was hungered. He, he knows what it is uh, to hunger and how to wait upon the Lord and trust God uh, to provide. Go with me quickly to Psalm 78. We're just going to turn back. And for the rest of the message, uh, y'all are just going to journey with me kind of just through that story. We're not going to exegete the whole chapter, of course, but we're just going to draw some things out that are powerful. But here, Psalm 78 makes a great commentary on the wilderness wanderings. And so, remember, all of Exodus is a journey of redemption. The Passover lamb and the Passover night is likened unto the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, the, the passing through the Red Sea and deliverance there is likened to the resurrection that Jesus experienced and that we will one day. Now, these wilderness, wilderness wanderings, when it comes to redemption, are a part of our sanctification where we are going through a process in which we are learning and growing and being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ through the work, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit of God using the Word in our lives. So here in Psalm 78, um, look at this, uh, 17 through 19. Put yourself in the story. And this, even think about your own life, even if this is hard, And if you find yourself in this place of murmuring or complaining or wishing to go back to the world, remember there's no reverse in life for the Christian. You can only go forward and trust God and pray, Lord, take away from me a spirit of bitterness. Take away a spirit of complaining and and murmuring and help me to feast upon every blessing that you would have for me in my life. Here it says, so challenge yourself with this, 17 through 19. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart. Now, Brother Nathan, you just said that it was God that was testing and proving Israel. Yes, indeed he was. But through their sin and through their hard-heartedness, And through their ingratitude, the Scripture says, they were testing God. But we are commanded and encouraged not to tempt God. Let us not test God. No. It said, they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, please read it with me, church. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? There it is. Right, right, right back where we're at in Exodus, on the face of the wilderness. So they're not really asking it as a question here. It is a statement of unbelief. It is a sinful thing that they are saying. Because actually what they're saying in this is, there's no way that God can do that. that was, that's what angered God. Not that they were hungry. Not that they wanted to be fed. But it was the unbelief in their heart to want to return back to Egypt for the flesh pots of Egypt. And, and 
What are you going to pass back through the Red Sea? Are you going to take the blood off the doors of your heart and let the death angel uh, come into your soul? No, there's no reverse. No, God can provide a table in the wilderness. And He does. And He has, beloved, for all of our lives. I just want you to think about very quickly the tables in the Scriptures and in the stories of the Bible, right? God's always had a table. Amen? God has always had a table. The Garden of Eden was a table. And look at how God prepared that table for our first parents. Gave them everything, right? Gave them everything in grace, but there was also the law, the Torah, the instruction, so that they would not partake of things that would destroy them. Oh God, that was a gracious command of God. There was a table in there. They forfeited that table, didn't they? They said, we don't want to eat from that table. Let's get our food from the dust of the ground, from the sweat, from the briars and the thorns. A terrible exchange, wouldn't you agree? (laughs) And then we do. We've already mentioned here we're going to have the Ten Commandments set on two tables of stone when God designed for the tabernacle and the temple, which is a picture of the church. There was a table made for that furniture, right? Do y'all remember what the table was? The table of the showbread, right? And it was always there in the presence of the Lord. Always a constant reminder to the people of God, I'm the God that can provide even a table in the wilderness. There's always bread at the table of God. Was that true? Was it really there when David fled for his life from Saul and he went there? What did he eat that sustained his soul? was the showbread from God's table. When David became a king, and we read about the king's table, right? That we find the lame child. Jonathan's son. Mephibosheth. Eating where? At the king's table. Given a prince's portion, just like you and just like me. We hear the psalmist of Israel. We hear the sweet psalmist, King David, who spent many a night in the wilderness. He knew what hunger was. And we read in Psalm 23, he said that thou preparest a table before me. Even what? In the presence of my enemies. And then we come, we fast forward to the New Testament. And here we find the Lord of glory the night before He was betrayed. Where was He sitting at, beloved? At the table. With His beloved, with His disciples, with His followers. And there, the unleavened bread and and the wine. I ask you, is there a table in this house of the Lord? Will you eat at it this afternoon, yet once again, even 2,000 years past the time that Jesus had instituted the first. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a miracle? You know, still, still providing, still the showbread, still the Lord's table, still feasting today on the Word of God. You are, even at this moment, feasting upon the Word of God and His truth and upon Christ. And oh, what will it be one day, Jeremy, to 
sit in that chair in glory and feast with Christ. Come and dine, we sang. Oh, one day, beloved, the supper's never going to end. The wedding supper of the Lamb. There's a table in heaven. And there's a chair for every believer. And you will feast forever. Well, hallelujah. Let's, let's go through this for a little while. Are you still with me? You still have some strength? Can you stay with me? All right. So this was a table of testing, right? There's four things. There's a table of testing, a table of timing, a table of trusting, and then a table of thankfulness. Three, four T's, right, that we're going to go through. A testing table, a timing table, a trusting table, and then a thanking table. It was a table of testing. God says, I'm going to prove you. I'm going to test you here. And they needed to be tested. And Deuteronomy, the second law, if you'll turn with me quickly, just write this verse down. I can read it to you if, if, you, don't, if you can't turn there. If you can, that's great. This is, this is awesome. Because we, we hear in now the mind of God how He viewed this and how He was dealing with them and probably how He's dealing with you. And He's dealing with me in our lives. Even at this very moment. Is God testing you with something? Maybe He's testing you with lust. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's worry. Maybe, maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's the future. Oh, I tell you, if you're not being tested right now, the celebration of learning is coming. <laughs> Here, Deuteronomy 8, beginning in verse 1, All the commandments, the Torah, which I command thee this day, shall ye observe and do. Why? That ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Why? Why a table of testing? To humble thee. Do we need that? I know I do. To humble thee and to prove thee. To know what was in thine heart. Whether thou wouldst keep His commandments or no. And He humbled thee. And He suffered thee to hunger. And fed thee with what? Manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Seems like we just heard that quoted by the bread of heaven himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Oh man, it's amazing how it all winds together, isn't it? So, test at the table in the wilderness. Your test in your life right now. Here it is. Will I follow God even when doing so is difficult? Will I follow God even when doing so is difficult? That's a test for all of us. It's a test in our marriages, isn't it? Sometimes. It's a test with our children. Sometimes it's a test at work. It's a test in the church sometimes. As pastors... Here, Moses and Aaron, they're being tested. Are you going to be faithful servants even when the people treat you like a servant? Even when they try to blame you for things that are wrong because of what's in their heart and the decisions that they made and they want to blame the preacher. No, nobody here preaches. Nobody treats Marvin and Brady like that. Amen? No. We're not going to treat our preachers like that. 
No. Will I follow God even when doing so is difficult? Even when I want something so bad. Maybe, maybe somebody in here lost a spouse that they wanted to keep with them. But God said, that's not my will for you. Are you going to still follow God if He moves you to another state? Are you going to still be able to say, God, your will be done? I will, I'll trust you. You'll prepare a table for me. You'll feed me anywhere is home if Jesus Christ my Lord is there. Test. Will I whine after the world? Will I whine after the world? Will I be ruled by my flesh? Because that's what's happening in our story. They, they, Jeremy, they're, they're dramatizing their past. They're saying, oh, if we were to just stayed back in Egypt. Well, just a few chapters before, they were crying out to God, God, we'll, we'll take anything is better than this. We're, our our uh, labor is so strenuous and we don't have any freedom and we can't worship. And so God hears them and delivers them. And now we, we're asking for that again? You think that it's easier in the world than in the church? The way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. There's no manna for them. Only stones. Will I whine after the Lord? I say, oh, I just, it sounds gross to me. Doesn't it even sound gross? I want to sit by the flesh pots. Oh, man. I want to sit by the flesh pots where we could be ruled by our belly. Whose God is their belly, right? How is God testing you? Is it lust? Is it maybe it's your temper? Anybody here struggle with temper besides me? Luke, I was so mad. I was working by my by myself at my house. Nobody was there, and no, I wasn't on the clock. There wasn't anybody saying you have to hurry up and get this done. And I have four razor knives, and I could not find one. And I, need, I just needed a razor knife. And I found myself almost cursing like Peter. And I stopped myself. Nathan, what, what are you so mad about? Why are you so angry? Because you can't find a razor knife when you have four. And it was right there in front of me. It, right there in my tool pouch. I just looked on the wrong side. But... God tests you like that sometimes with anger? Yeah. Maybe it's your priorities. Maybe it's your priorities in your life. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? Maybe it's just all the above. <laughs> well, the great news is, is that if God is testing you, if you're at the table of testing, it's for your good. And it's for His glory. And He's going to see you through that and make you better for it. Amen. Isn't God good? Now what Brother Royce Bill used to say, ain't God good? Israel, though, they wanted to play the blame game. Right? Do you see that? The blame game. Eve says, the devil made me do it. Adam says, Eve made me do it. The devil, Adam and Eve said, God, it's all your fault. Does, do we hear the story? We hear that record being played again? They wanted to play the blame game. 
This is all your fault, God. And they had lost, the most awful thing is they lost sight of their future. They lost sight of it. So it was a table of testing. Amen. Secondly, it was a table of timing. As we read through it, did you see all the signatures of time that were mentioned? Wasn't it amazing? It was years. It was months. It was days. It was morning. It was evening. It was decades. All these different signatures of time all through. And God is, that's part of what time is in our life. We're on a time test. You better count the numbers of your days and you better make your days count and know that each moment that goes by is important. Who knows what is happening right now is going to affect tomorrow and the next day. God tests us through time. And I'll tell you, beloved, nothing happens until God is ready. Can I get an amen? Amen. Nothing happens until God is ready, I promise you. And Father, that's part of what learning at the kitchen table is about, and God's table is that Father knows best. I love this in the book of Ecclesiastes, how the preacher talks about how that there's a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. He had them this month out, and these three days without food, okay, where is their heart really at? Are they really free? They weren't free, were they? They weren't really trusting God like they needed to be for other things that were going to come up. But where are you at in your life in God's timing? I just ask you, will God be honored in your life when it comes to timing? I ask you to think about the Lord Jesus Christ, even as a man, even though He was God, as a man He was made subject to time and to providence. Isn't that amazing? Remember how they wanted to take him and just make him king? And Jesus said, my time has not yet come. Oh, but when the Gentiles began to seek him and say we would see Jesus, he said, now's my time. He was such a time. He rose up early. He stayed up late. He bore the heat of the day just like us. He lived 33 years from a child to a man upon this earth. And he had to wait for certain things for God's providence to bring them into his own life. So are we greater than our Lord? (laughs) No. And that his, his end was so tough with the cross, right? But then the resurrection, even he had to wait three days in the grave according to the providence of God before he rose again Beloved, there's no reverse in life. Trust God. Move forward in your life. God is, is using time to teach and, and, and to prepare. And that's why it's so important during these times in our life and these table of testing, this table of timing, is to trust God's Word and believe God's Word and to live by faith. Ecclesiastes 3.11 He hath made everything beautiful in His time. Also He has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And then I also love verse 17 in that same chapter. He said, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked for there is a time there. 
for every purpose and for every work. And so it culminates. Uh, we have all these different uh, time signatures in Exodus 16. You saw them. A month, a year, day, morning, evening. But I want you to know that in all the, the table of timing, this is what God is concerned with. So I want to refocus you back to Exodus 16. And this is what you and I must come to grips with in, in our life. Because it all comes down to this. Verse 28, And the Lord said unto Moses, Just put your name there. The Lord said to Nathan, Jackie, everybody, William, put your name there. How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? The real question isn't, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? He can. He does. He has. He will. The real question is, how long is it going to take you and me to trust Him and obey Him implicitly? Beloved, it's going to take a lifetime. <laughs> You're going to keep learning over and over again. But after every test, after every stage of life, you're going to learn to trust Him more. If you trust Him at all, you'll learn to trust Him more. And to say, all through my life, whatever that I went through, whatever path through the wilderness, you know, the path that they're on isn't the direct route <laughs> to Canaan land. You know, there was a direct route that God could have, and Moses and Aaron could have taken them that they could have gone straight there. But God turned them down to take them to Sinai where He was going to deliver the law. And it's amazing just thinking about that, that this is the area where they're at where Moses lived for 40 years as a shepherd. And God was timing in His life, preparing Him for these moments. And every moment matters. Just because you're young, doesn't mean God is not working and dealing and speaking with you. If you're reaching the older age, God's not done. There were all age groups in this two million people that were learning together. Beloved, it's a table of trusting. Trusting. Do I believe that Father knows best? We'll, I know the manna was there. I know the paycheck was there this week, but will it be there next week? <laughs> you know, our daily lives will reveal our dependence upon God. I think it's interesting in the Lord's prayer, part of that prayer is, Lord, give us this day our what? It don't say monthly bread, does it? It don't say yearly bread. It, it says daily bread. Notice that in the story, back in the story, as we think about trusting God and that Father knows best, He only gave them enough bread for each day. Right? Except on Friday, because he, didn't want them, he wanted them to have a day of rest, He gave them twice as much. Right? And for 40 years, each day had its work. Each day had its difficulty. Sound like your life? Right? But each day had its supply for 40 years in a wilderness. There weren't any publics there, Kroger's, gardens that had been planted. No, God just provided for 2 million people for 40 years because He's a faithful God that you can trust and you can 
you can not only trust Him with this life, but you can trust Him with eternity. That's amazing, isn't it? So my question is, when you come to His table, do you trust Him? When you put your plate up to Him tomorrow, are you going to trust what He puts on your plate, that it's what's good for you, and it's what's best for you? I pray that you do. If we can't handle manna, how can we handle milk and honey? Oh, man. God can be trusted. I think the greater question is, can I be trusted with His blessings? Psalm 112, we'll read here just quickly, just a quick thought. This, is, this psalm is all about the man who really fears the Lord, trusts the Lord, and we have a great verse. May this be you, may this be me as a man, woman, or child, wherever we're at at God's table. It says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. This was a table of trusting. This table in the wilderness, on the face of the wilderness, they had to trust God for what they needed every day. And so do we. And so do we. And lastly, it was a, a table of thankfulness and, and blessing. The scriptures are full of commands about us being a grateful people, about having grateful hearts, about being thankful to the Lord and, and blessing His name. You should never have a meal without thanking God. Isn't that, isn't that the first thing at the table, right? When we all sit down at the table together, it's not, you know, pastor roast beef. It's just bow our heads. Let's give what? Let's give thanks to the Lord for His blessing. Because all of this, we know, at the end of the day, comes from Him. And it's why that, that we have it. Mm, man, that's powerful. Table of thankfulness. Thankful most of all for the blessing of Christ, our true manna. I, I just want to think about that again, about how that it came down from heaven and how Christ came down from heaven. About how that they couldn't even recognize, they didn't even know what it was unless it had been revealed to them. How it was sweet. How it was white. This was amazing. Uh, as we, when we think about the deity and the humanity of Christ and the manna, if you paid attention in the story, you know, Adam was made out of the dust of the ground, right? Our food that we grow, it comes from the ground, right? We put a seed in the earth, we water it, it grows, it brings the nutrients from the soil. That, that's a blessing from God, but almost everything that we eat or that we have is earthly. But God says in the scriptures that they ate angels' food. They ate angels' food. That's what you're eating today. You're eating angels' food. Do you know that the angels might even be in here with us? Because they love to come in and hear the things of the gospel that pertain 
to Christ. The angels were there. They saw the wilderness, the table in the wilderness covered with the food that they ate in heaven. That God gave heaven's food to men. They picked it up off the ground, uncontaminated. Did you notice that it came from the dew, Marvin? That the manna, somehow when God created it, it said that it came from heaven and it settled on the earth, but it wasn't part of the earth. And it sat right upon the earth from the dew. And it was uncontaminated. We don't eat stuff off the ground, right boys? But they just went and gathered it up. And it was sweet to them. There's nothing sweeter than the Lord Jesus Christ. It had to be gathered by each individual, right? And, and on and on we could go with that uh, illustration. But I think, you know, Jesus said in, his, in John, I am the bread of life. And if you eat, your fathers ate the bread in the wilderness and they what? They died. But if you eat of me, you'll never die. Mm. Thankful, thankful this morning as we close that God doesn't always give us what we ask for. But listen, He'll give you better. He can do exceedingly, exceedingly, abundantly above what? all that we could ask or think. God not only gave them manna, but He gave them quail as well. That's amazing to me how benevolent that God is. And so as a Christian, I trust on God's glory. I love how that Moses in writing this brought the aspect of the glory of God into the story said before the manna came that they looked and in the pillar of the cloud was a manifest presence of the glory of God. And so as a Christian, what I see in that is that God's glory is always going to correspond to my good. But God's glory is always going to come first. Amen? It's always going to come first. And that's what my life is to be most about, that I can bring the Lord glory and honor. I can trust God to provide every good thing that I need. And I can trust that obedience will always bring blessing into my life and the life of those around me. And so... I just want to close with that thought. Have you been hungry, faint, and poor this morning? You came with no money to buy, and yet now I pray that your soul is full and overflowing. Here in Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. Oh, beloved, when y'all come to the table of the Lord again this afternoon, be thankful. Bless Bless His name. Feast upon Him.
Thank you for your kind attention.